Hi friends, and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. During the season of Lent, we're working our way through this wonderful and weird story of Jonah. I'm going to read a little bit um, from chapter 2 and 3 today, and then we'll get stuck in. I just want us to be thinking about a couple of things though. My main thought is on motive. Um, So thinking about how does Jonah act and how does Jonah react as the story progresses and also thinking about then because this isn't just about Jonah this is about us so asking how do we act and how do we react as our own stories unfold and as different things happen in our lives how do we respond and not just that but why do we act and why do we react the way that we do why do we do the things that we do. Uh, Jonah chapter 2, right at the end of chapter 2, verse 10 says this, after the prayer inside the fish, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And then chapter 3, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'll just stop there. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but how amazing is that? That our God is a God who comes to us a second time. This is about grace. This is about forgiveness. This is about mercy. This is about patience. This is the fact that we serve and worship and love a God who comes to us a second time. Friends, that is good news for all of us. Because no matter what's gone on in the past, no matter what we've done or not done, no matter what we've said or not said, no matter what we thought or not thought, no matter how we've acted or reacted, no matter what our motives were in the past, our God comes to us a second time. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, way back in chapter 1, so a couple of podcasts ago, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17... We're told this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Here, this word here um, that the Lord Yahweh provided is, is appointed. And so Yahweh appointed or provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And now the same word is used at the end here to describe what Yahweh does with a plant later on in chapter 4, as we'll see in a couple of episodes time, where Yahweh appoints the plant and appoints a worm and appoints a wind. All three of these providing, providing words, all three of these provisions, all three of these appointments echo back to what's gone on in chapter 1. And then at the end of chapter 2, it says that Yahweh commanded or ordered. So this time, 
God's not providing uh, something here. God is ordering, God is structuring, God is commanding, God is demanding that the fish kind of vomit or spit up or spew up Jonah out onto dry land. But the Hebrew word that's used here that we have as commanded or ordered is actually just means the word spoke. So the Lord spoke to the fish in the same way that the Lord spoke to the wind, in the same way later that the Lord spoke to a plant and spoke to a worm and again spoke to the wind. Yahweh spoke to the great fish. God has a conversation with a fish. Just think about that for a minute. How weird is that? Like, if you've managed to get this far in the story and got over the fact that Jonah sat in the belly of a fish praying this prayer, saying this psalm about how he was travelling to the underworld and thought that all was lost and he was as low as he could go and he was basically done, he was dead, he'd given up and then there was that hope like we saw last week. If you can get yourself past that point, stop here and just think, God spoke to a fish and apparently the fish's response to this conversation and response to Jonah's prayer is to vomit. So we move into chapter 3. The city of Nineveh, we're told, is there's that word again, a great city. All through this story we're seeing that Nineveh's a great city. God sends a great storm. God sends a great fish. Great, great, great. And here is Nineveh, the great city to God. Which is almost like using God, the word Elohim, as a, an adjective here. So this city was great in its proportion. Yes, great in its size, great in its, its girth, its density, its vastness. But it was also great in its proportion to the way that God is great and expansive. And we're told here that it, the, the city is so big that it is a walking of three days, if we take the words literally that are, are translated from the Hebrew. Now back, if you know anything about your Hebrew history, Nimrod built a, a four-city region called Babylon and then went on to build another four-city region called Assyria. And within that Assyrian four cities, one of those main four cities is Nineveh. And the word Nineveh, even broken down, comes from Nina, which means goddess, and then the, the var bit means fish. So Jonah flees from fish city in the first place and ends up in a fish. This has got to be humorous to the people here, isn't it? The very thing that, that Jonah thinks he's running away from and escaping from is the very place that he finds himself in the middle of and trapped. And then after he's released from that, guess where he finds himself? On the shores by that city of Nineveh. This prophet's disobedience lands him three days inside a fish. And then on the flip reverse of that, this prophet's obedience, or what may look like obedience from the outside, lands him three days in a fish again, but this time it's fish city. 
at least it should have done, uh, but apparently o- Jonah only t- walks one day's journey into this three-day journey city. So why? As I said at the beginning, this is about motives. This is about what we do, how we act, how we react, why we do the things we do. Why is Jonah doing this? Why, when we're told that this city takes three days to walk through, why is Jonah only doing one day's journey into the city before he gives his message? Why? Is Jonah lazy? Did Jonah just go to the city gate or to the plaza or the marketplace and spread, thinking that... That's the quickest and most efficient way to spread the message. Like, I could walk for three days saying this and a couple of people would listen, maybe. Most people would ignore me. But if I went to the place where everybody meets and gave a real good version of this message to the people listening there, they would then take it with them out. They would then take that message out to where they were from. Similar to the idea of how what happened to, to Jesus during uh, this time that we're leading up to in Lent as we get to the, the Passion Week and the Easter stories taking place during Passover. Because the idea then is in the city of Jerusalem, it's full of pilgrims, full of people who are not from there, who will witness what's gone on, hear the story, hear the message, hear the news, and then take it out with them. Take that and it will spread exponentially, spread like ripples in a pond. It will spread much quicker than one person just individually taking that message and telling it to individual people. Maybe that was the idea. Was Jonah's message received so quickly and so positively that that's all he needed to do? Maybe even just like we said here, he says it once and that's it. The response, the act, the reaction, the motives behind people's hearing what Jonah says and wanting to do something about it was so significant that that was all he needed to do. You see, this is either a positive view of the pagan in Nineveh or it's a negative view of the prophet of Yahweh. We can read this two ways if we're trying to read between the lines. We either see it as Jonah not really wanting to take that message and even though he said now that he will do it, he does it reluctantly. It's a bit like when you agree to do the washing up but you do such a bad job at it that you know you're never going to get asked again. Maybe Jonah thinks, if I go and do this, but kind of do it begrudgingly and do it in a really rubbish way, Yahweh, God, will never, ever ask me to do something like this again. Maybe that's how we're supposed to read this, painting this this prophet of Yahweh in a negative light, because up until this point, that's all we've been given, really, isn't it? He's tried to run away. He's tried to hide. He's tried to conceal who he is. He's tried to ignore the consequences and then when he has been found out that's when he only owned up that's when he admitted to who he was after he'd been found out and questioned about it and then his response was kill me that's the easy way out this this is a negative picture a negative portrait of this prophet of Yahweh but also on the flip side of that could this be telling us something about the pagan city of Nineveh could this be showing us that even though we hear the word Nineveh even though we read the words about this Assyrian city and all the baggage and all the darkness and the wickedness and the evil and the atrocities that have been done in that place and by those people even though all of that's gone on in the in the past and that's what we kind of carry with us as we read these words and think about these stories and these themes are we now being challenged by that and being told to think hang on a second this is not what we're seeing happening here these people have a stranger come into their city an enemy coming into their city 
giving them this kind of a report that they could very kind of negatively and antagonistically react to. And instead of that, they hear what's said and they do it. Listen to what he says. This is, this is Jonah's message again. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then we're told this in verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. A fast proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. This is how they respond. This is how they act. This is how they react to the message that the prophet of Yahweh brings to them. Now, looking back from this story and using Jonah's fish experience as a model of this three days and three nights, like we looked at last time, that lead us to salvation, maybe Jonah's trying to sabotage this Assyrian experience by cutting this this model short by the two days. Maybe Jonah has understood that these three days and three nights that he's just been through and experienced in the belly of the fish that led to his eventual ascent after all of the descent that's led to his salvation as he says salvation comes from the Lord maybe by Jonah cutting this three-day experience that he's supposed to give to the Ninevites now down down to just a third just a one-day experience maybe he's trying to short change the people of Nineveh maybe by leaving them in this state of down in the deep with the seaweed wrapped around their heads because this message here gives them no hope does it 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown we're not told why we're not told if anything can be done to rectify that we're not told given any kind of uh, a clause that they could anything they could do to get out of this situation that's the message it's doom and it's gloom it's down there dark in the depths where Jonah found himself And by Jonah then retracting from that and coming out of that after that one day experience, maybe he's trying to cut this message short so that they don't get the opportunity to act and react in the way that he was able to. By stopping short before the salvation point of their three day experience, essentially leaving fish city inside the belly of their fish. That was looking back. Now, looking forward, we know both in this story, if you've read ahead, which I'm sure you have, or at least you know the story anyway, we know both how God responds, how how Jonah responds, and how Jonah responds to God's response in chapter 4. We know the outcome of this story. Maybe this shortened one-day tour of the city is Jonah's attempt to stop, or at least lessen God's grace and mercy and forgiveness on this city that Jonah believes doesn't even deserve it. And then looking back even further, there's the story that we had in 2 Kings about um, what Jonah had got up to as a prophet of Yahweh in the past, because Jonah has already prophesied about Israel's borders, about how they were going to increase, which did happen in history. That happened he made a prophecy and within some years that took place but then there was a kickback against that the the action and the reaction then had its own action and reaction and the prophecy ended up being reversed and they were worse off than when Jonah prophesied in the first place so maybe this is making Jonah look or feel stupid remembering what had gone on in the past and all maybe even causing people to question him and his motives and even his own ability as a prophet 
Maybe Jonah now here in the city of Nineveh is worried that something similar is going to happen this time as well. So friends, think about what Jonah's doing. And not only that, but why Jonah's doing what Jonah's doing. What are the motives behind who he is and what he says and how he acts? But don't just leave it there because this Bible acts not just as a a way for us to be able to look back in time and into history and into examples of how other people have acted in the past, but it also acts as a mirror. It reflects back to us. So allow this story to get you to ask the questions of yourself. Why you act the way you act? How do you act? How do you react in situations? How are things in the past affecting and affecting how you act now? And maybe how can we stop that pattern from continuing in the future? By questioning ourselves now. Questioning our motives. Why do you do the things that you do? Grace and peace.